Hey guys, what's up? Trey back here at Trail Wolf, and welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. I am joined here with my co-host Wes. Wes, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Dealing with a little storm outside, so fingers crossed we don't get another storm surge like we did just before we start this and have to basically start over. Because if you, me, and audio issues is a uh, trio that I really don't want to have to revisit again. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but yeah, it's been too long. We are get back here. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. And um, we really haven't spoken, I don't think, since the beginning of Tuchel taking over and everything. Um, I was thinking that maybe we can do an episode dedicated to Frank and Tuchel, um, maybe during the international break, um, just to kind of touch on the subject but i don't really want to focus on that as that's kind of in the past right now for this episode what we do want to talk about is um the atletico madrid win the ucl draw uh advancing to the semifinals of the fa cup thanks to a sheffield united um win and uh, basically just saying what is left for us the rest of the season so you ready to get started absolutely man been, been waiting a while it's good to be back here i'm ready to go no, it's definitely good. I'm great. Glad to have you back on. All right. So let's get started with our segment of blues in the news. So we've got three things to cover today, including an exciting one that I just came across. I really didn't expect to. But first thing is, I believe the Tiago Silva's agent has come out to say that he is uh, nearing a one-year extension with Chelsea Football Club, which is actually pretty huge um, considering Chelsea are almost never extending contracts for people over the age of 30 by a good bit. Obviously, William was the last one we were really in talks with to do that. And Giroud also is, uh, his contract is expiring in the summer as well. Have not heard anything about extensions um, as concrete as with Thiago Silva right now. So in the coming week or so, we might hear about Thiago Silva getting a new one-year contract uh, solidified. So I don't know about you, Wes, but I would love to see Thiago Silva at least here for one to two more years. If, if not a starter, at least as a leadership role. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, I think I think both of us have felt that way for a while, as well as most of the fan base as a whole. Um, but, I mean, to have him back, I mean, if, if you didn't feel so before the Champions League game after seeing that celebration, there's no way that you could feel that way now. No, for certain. I mean, Thiago Silva has probably been one of the quickest uh, Chelsea players to, to come into the club and win over nearly the entire fan base. I, don't, I would be surprised if, there's, if I actually met a Chelsea fan who said they did not like Thiago Silva or would not want his contract extended. So, and I don't, don't believe he's even charging a super high wage or anything. And in that case, I'm all for having him here. So, um, oh, absolutely. Next- and I, I just want to add something, man. The, him and his wife and his family and their like social media teams, like they are, they are full Chelsea all the way. And I just love to see that with them just joining and they already feel that way. It's just great to see. No, yeah, I love I love the the prop and everything for Chelsea from his family, from his sons uh, to his wife. Um, they're just it's incredibly wholesome. And it's also incredibly like it's it's a little surprising. I mean, honestly, if you ask me, it's surprising because Tiago Silva was with PSG before this, and he was with PSG for several years. So I mean probably his kids most of their life if not all of it and his wife i mean 
all they've known is PSG, which is I would not, I would not like put it against them if they still fully backed PSG and wanted to like still rep them. But obviously, because Tiago Silva plays for us, that they would want to rep Chelsea too. But I'm just a little surprised and pleased with how in depth they are with the club already at this point. Oh, absolutely, man. That's a, that's something you, you love to see, and I feel like we we're getting you know. As a fan base as a whole, we're getting back more together as, as time's going on and on as we as we seem to be building this team, especially with Tuchel. No, no for sure. But, yeah, so here's to Tiago Silva getting a new contract, and hopefully um, he has a huge influence on this team. So, so let's look uh, a little bit of a FIFA-related news. Um, I have been waiting for several uh, new FIFA cards to come out lately for Chelsea, and I am happy to report – of a good couple that have now uh, for any FIFA fans, you might enjoy this little segment. Um, but um, Mason Mount had a road to the final um, a car that would basically get upgraded anytime we progress in the champions league. So now I can happily uh, report Mason Mount is now an 87 rated card in the game. And Rudiger also had a special squad builder showdown card that went from an 86 to an 88 rated uh, card after our resounding win against Atletico Madrid. So Happy that both of those guys got some upgrades as well because I was really looking forward to using them. And not to mention, Hakim Ziyech got a Champions League Man of the Match card for that win against Atletico, and he is now 87 rated. Um, so he has a he has two informs, and as well, his one-to-watch card should now be 87 rated. And finally, probably the best one is there is now a beautiful 90 rated Olivier Giroud card in the game um it is a player moments card celebrating i believe it was a puskas award-winning goal he had in 2017 i think it was the scorpion kick he had for arsenal that was just a beauty of a goal if i'm not mistaken and he's also been equipped with four star skills and three star weak foot now four star skills on olivia Giroud is probably the last thing i would think of but i'm not gonna lie i've got him already in the game and i've played with him a bit he feels pretty silky i mean I Wes, I know I don't know if you've been on FIFA too lately, but if you haven't, I would fully recommend grinding for that card. I have not been on lately, but I, I I've seen you uh, posting a few things about it and done a little research on some of the Chelsea cards that have been coming out. And yeah, that card looks ridiculous, man. Doesn't he have like ninety speed or something like that? That's just he's got about eighty four, which is pretty. Okay, okay. They literally doubled his pace or so. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and you know what? He's very deserving of it because he was he was screwed over in the Champions League after getting the four-goal perfect hat-trick plus penalty performance, uh, and he didn't get anything for that. So you know what? It's just it's just due justice coming in. Um, and we also might be getting a new road to the final card um, just because of how far we've made it. So I'm personally making a uh, prediction I think it's going to be Marcus Alonso who gets it. Because <laughs> Marcus Alonso um, has had flashback cards in the past. And if there's anything that FIFA love, it's to throw in a recycled card. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Marcus Alonso card in there. I don't want a Marcus Alonso card, though. So we'll see what we get. Yeah. But also, I think we might be getting a FA Cup Man of the Match card for Pulisic or Chili B. Now, Pulisic was named, I believe, by BT Sport or someone the man of the match. 
Um, but also that was before uh, Ben Chilwell got that last assist to Ziyech. So it's kind of up in the air who will get it if there will be a card, which I do believe there should be um, a card given out sometime this week. It could be tomorrow, um, which would be Tuesday um, by the time this recording. But a little FIFA update for y'all. I do love me some Chelsea cards on FIFA as much as I banter and bicker about the game on Twitter. Uh, If you follow me, you definitely see a good bit of Chelsea prop on there on FIFA. So here's to hoping that we get some better cards. So we're going to go into our final segment of Blues in the News, which is something that is very, very interesting. I actually had not heard about this, and it's quite quite shocking. So um, I'm reading this directly from Chelsea FC's website. This is an official Chelsea Football Club statement. So I'm going to read this verbatim from their article for y'all. So the title of the headline is Chelsea Football Club is aware of today's legal action by club owner Roman Abramovich and will not be providing any comment on the matter. And this is in relation to apparently a new publication piece that was made in the UK. And it is called Putin's People, if I am reading this correctly. And apparently it does have allegations against Mr. Abramovich that he was engaged in illegal activity financially that also was related to the purchase of Chelsea Football Club. Now, let me see the full statement from Harbottle and Lewis LLP, which I believe is his legal team. Um, And I'm going to read this, like I said, verbatim. We have today issued legal proceedings for defamation on behalf of our client, Roman Abramovich. The legal proceedings relate to a number of false and um, defamatory claims made about our client in the book, Putin's People, published by HarperCollins, which for anybody who knows, HarperCollins is a huge publication. The book falsely alleges that our client has acted corruptly and makes false claims about our client's purchase and the activities of Chelsea Football Club. Such claims are totally unacceptable and are without foundation. Our client's statement on this matter is set out below in view of the legal proceedings issued. We will not be making a further statement at the time. And so this, now this statement I'm going to read to you is actually directly from Roman um, Abramovich himself. Today, my legal representatives have issued legal proceedings in England in relation to a book that was published in the UK. The book contains a number of false and defamatory statements about me including about my purchase and the activities of Chelsea Football Club. Today's action was not taken lightly. It has never been my ambition to gain a public profile, and I have always been reluctant to provide commentary on any matters, including any false or misleading statements about me or Chelsea Football Club. However, it has become clear that the false allegations in this book are having a damaging effect, not only on my personal reputation, but also in respect of the activities of Chelsea Football Club. Now, there, it does go on a, bit, a little bit more from his statement and everything, but that's all I'm going to read from the article. If you want to read about it, it is on Chelsea FC's website. Um, you can also go into their Twitter account and probably find a link to the article. But Wes, this is, this is pretty bold and big news as far as Roman goes, because um, as it does kind of, um, al- um, kind of allude to in the article, Roman kind of is a private person. He doesn't come out to the spotlight too much. Um, I think as... If I, if I have this correct, he doesn't actually have a, a work visa or green card for uh, the UK because um, I believe that the, the, um, the British government has basically blocked or made it hard for him to get um, a visa into the, the country. And that's why he's not at many games. However, he is heavily involved with activities in the UK. As we know, 
Um, the Chelsea, the hotel at Chelsea's uh, Stanford Bridge grounds um, was opened up to the NHS during the pandemic and everything. So it seems like Roman Bramovich does do a good bit for the UK community and the economy. So I don't know why, I mean, someone would make this kind of publication um, and include him in something called Putin's People. I mean, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, man, uh, it doesn't really, I mean, I think there's been rumors of him being, you know, the Russian oligarch and all like that for since he took over and splashed the cash and kind of shook the, the soccer world up for a little while. Um, but I mean, I feel like to, to you can't talk about Roman Abramovich right now without talking about all the good that he's done, all the good that Chelsea's done since everything has started around the world. Um, so I feel like, and I feel like when you do things like that, people always want to try to bring you down even more. So I feel like he's kind of got a target on his back because of the good that he does. And because of, I mean, like I said, the rumors have been there. So regardless, I mean, it's, it, it's just my opinion and it means nothing I know to most people, but I mean, I feel like all the good that he's doing right now and what he's done for, for my football club, I got Roman's back. No, definitely. I, I think I speak for both of us and a lot of us here um, on Chelsea Football Twitter. When I say we back Roman, we are grateful for him and we believe um, in his truth and everything and that he is innocent. Um, obviously, this is going to be an ongoing probably investigation um, as the defamatory claims will have legal proceedings. And I, if I learn any from, from business law and stuff that I have taken at college, it is this will probably drag out for a while. You might not hear it in the news, but you probably hear uh, updates here and there. So anything that had a formal publication, especially from HarperCollins um, with defamatory claims in there, which I believe were already complained about once, it says in the article, but um, it's it didn't, nothing happened and that the, uh, the claims were left inside the publication. Uh, I do believe that this is the kind of thing that will have to drag on and will take maybe, a, I would guess, at least two years to play out or something like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you hear a bit of um, just bold media just trying to make a huge uh, kerfuffle about all of this. So that'll be annoying to deal with. Um, but hopefully they'd let Roman be. He can stay out of the spotlight and his legal team can put this uh, issue to bed. So so that is it for Blues on the News. And let's go ahead and get into the Athletico win and talk about basically our full-time thoughts. Um, everything we thought about the game. Obviously, we know uh, 3-0 aggregate. 2-0 win um, at home against uh, Atletico. It was quite quite the resounding result. It was just wrapping everything up in a bow. I don't think, I, no matter how confident we were in the Tuchel, I don't think we could have foresaw the the tie going like that. Am I right, Russ? Uh, yeah, man, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like it was too early. I definitely felt more confident with, Tuchel than I would have going into it with the way we were playing under Frank and that's nothing against Frank I love Frank I love nothing more than to see him get his you know credentials and then come back to this club and win stuff but I, I, I agree I don't think we could have seen it going the way it did yeah I know um, I think nobody can be more pleased than me about how it ended up and being able to say we beat the number one team in La Liga as of right now um and what is supposed to be just a absurd defensive, defensively stout team with Diego Simeone, who has been the coach for, I believe, several years now. Um, 
but and has always missed out on success, but has still maintained um, a strong team and everything. They, this team has a lot of chemistry. Um, obviously, they have the likes of Luis Suarez and Joao Felix up top, um, and they have what is considered the number one goalkeeper in the whole world and Jan Oblak, but somehow we put three past him with obviously Olivier Giroud's beautiful stunner of a bicycle kick, and then also um, just a few um, goals to cap it off with at, um, in the second game. And I think what is really astounding is that despite all the uh, all the offensive talent in the two names I mentioned, also Yana Carrasco, uh, Saul Ninguez, uh, I believe is his name, and Kolke and all that, um, I believe and uh, Marcus Llorente, I think is his name. Um, I believe all of them were active and they barely recorded any shots on target. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't think in the first leg they recorded any in the second one, um, barely any, but basically they scored nothing against us. And I would, Luis Suarez has been in hot form. Obviously, Joao Felix is one of the most proficient youngsters in the world right now coming up. And I'm just, I'm just so impressed and proud of our defense and Mendy for sticking in there and doing all they did. So round of applause to them getting past Atletico is going to be probably the highlight of this, uh, this campaign under Tuchel, because that is truly a testament of where this team is at. But nevertheless, let's go ahead and like analyze um, player by player, how we did in the second game, because we're going to focus on the second game right now. So Mendy, Mendy had a phenomenal performance, in my opinion. He had six saves, I think, and uh, a couple of them were some huge ones. And Mendy now leads the Champions League for clean sheets with six clean sheets in seven matches. And he is tied with Ederson currently in Man City, who still have um, remained in the competition. So right now, Mendy is in top contention. Uh, I don't know if it's called the Golden Glove as well for the Champions League, but basically to be the best goalkeeper for the competition. I mean... Wes, if Mendy in his debut season for Chelsea could win the the best goalkeeper in the Champions League, if we went through and won it all, and if he was able to climb up and beat Ederson again for the Golden Glove in the Premier League, Mendy has to like I don't I don't think this is overreactionary. It's literally just statistical. He has to have a case for the best goalkeeper of the year, right? No, I mean, absolutely. There's no way that could happen and not be. I don't think that could happen and he not be the favorite. Yeah, because like um, even if Chelsea did win the Premier League, because it looks like Man City will win and it will give Ederson uh, a leg up on that. But if Chelsea managed to win the Champions League and even the FA Cup, which Kepo will get a good bit of credit to because he's performed decently well, um, keeping clean sheets in the FA Cup. But still, I wouldn't be surprised if Mendy end up getting the final. And if we ended up winning the FA Cup and Champions League or something, I think Mendy has to be your front runner from goalkeeper of the year. And if he won that, I can't say what an outstanding achievement it would mark for his career, considering those who know his story from where he's come from, from what it's taken to get here. And the fact that in one year for Chelsea Football Club, he has been able to uh, just perform as he's done. I mean, there's nothing more I could hope for besides winning the Champions League than Mendy probably winning goalkeeper of the year should all that pan out. Yeah, that would be a phenomenal uh, opening season with Chelsea. 
Well, with, with anybody. I mean, just winning the trophies alone, let alone all the clean sheets that he's done under both managers. No, that's, yeah. I think that's, I feel like that's a key point too. Like it's not, it's not just been since Tuchel. Like he, he had clean sheets with Frank. No, yeah. But it's definitely, it's definitely been a different, a different level with Tuchel. I think under Frank, it's more important to remember the defense wasn't as solid as sometimes as it has been right now. So Mendy definitely was tested a lot more and definitely put, put to the works. Um, and he did, and he did show some cracks. He did show some mistakes. But overall, I mean, he's still done phenomenally. So um, something we might address later. But let's move on to Reese. Uh, Reese, I thought he had a great game. And what was uh, most impressive for me about Reese was the how he was taking on players and driving down the field. Um, and he looked much more confident progressing the ball um, around the opposition. Besides, um, like just doing it himself, because Reese has always seemed like a very confident passer, very smart um, passes moving to space. But this man, what I noticed most, he was taking the ball himself and just going around people and just pushing, like just pushing the ball down the field and letting everyone else run up. So I I thought Reese had a very exceptional game today. Or not today, but like, you know, the game against the Levico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like um, I feel like that's one thing that he does not do enough of is what you just mentioned, is drive the ball himself. No, because definitely. he has he has that ability, just like how he could he could play in the midfield, and you would see him drive the ball more. Um, I feel like he relies too heavily sometimes on his on his passing ability, and doesn't trust his you know the, the strength, the pace that he has to to drive past people to get to even better situations for the team. But overall, yeah, I mean he put in tons of crosses. Um, I mean they weren't all spot on, but I mean. When you put in that many, you're not you can't expect them all to be perfect. But the ones that he makes, man, I mean, they're beautiful, and he deserves more assists. It was definitely a good performance from him. No, definitely. I think the assist will eventually come in, but Reese is definitely showing he's progressing his game, just like Mount has um, this year. Reese, as he's gotten healthier, he's gotten more starts. He's definitely learning to grow his game, and there's a reason that Reese James is now going to be the starting right back. Um, for um, England, England's national team over Trent Alexander-Arnold, who has missed out on the call-up, I believe, uh, for the England national squad. So I, I don't, I didn't read uh, the full, the full uh, roster, but I think it was Reese uh, Trippier, and I think it was Kyle Walker, if I'm correct about that, about the three right-backs that were called up. So, congrats to Reese for the call-up. And Trent, you can suck it. Yeah. So let's talk about Aspie. Big talking point about Aspie, his uh, very, very lucky non-penalty call, um, where I believe it was uh, Suarez, he would drag back almost, and then Suarez was fully trying to sell it. So there's a simple question here, Wes. In your opinion, was it a pen or not? Uh I mean, to me, it wasn't a penalty. I mean, Suarez, Suarez sold it. I mean, just like he tried all game. I mean, I feel like that's what hurt him more than anything is the fact that he tried to sell so many times that even there where it could have been called a foul, if that's in the middle of the park, it's probably called a foul and given a free kick. But I don't feel like you can call that not in a Champions League game, not – 
that early in the game, I mean, not you just can't call it there. No, yeah, I was a pretty big fan of the official that night. Um, but uh, I would think if anybody else was there and they sold that besides Luis Suarez, I think it would have been called a pen. I don't think – I think it was a borderline yes penalty by Aspie. It was pretty – I'll, I'll call it reckless. I'll call it reckless because it was reckless. But oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but if it was a pen, I think it's you just can't say yes or no for certain. But I do think it would have got called a penalty if um, if it was anybody else on the ball and then they had went down. I think literally it's just Suarez and his reputation that probably just caused it to go in Aspie's favor. But overall, besides that, I thought defensively it was just another proper performance from our captain. So. We'll call him Dave, and we'll say thank you for that one, Aspie. Absolutely. So, so let's look at Zuma. Zuma did a solid job slotting in for Christensen, who suddenly came ill overnight. Um, he wasn't included in the injury list or anything uh, the day before in Tuchel's press conference, but we uh, found out that he just was not fit for the game, so he was not even on um, the bench. So uh, if Christensen uh, may be cute to, to nerves, it is uncertain, but... Nevertheless, we'll just focus on Zuma. So Zuma was a very, very solid job. I thought he looked good. And um, he, gosh, there was, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but there was one time, maybe even twice, Zuma went down. And I think when every time he goes down like leg first, he scares me, dude. I, 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 yeah, I don't think you were, were you watching in 15-16 when he had that yeah. horrific injury? I, I think it was against Manchester United maybe. Yeah, it was menu. Yeah. yeah, that uh, every time I see him come down and he winces or something, I just cringe inside. I'm just, I get so scared that he is going to get that injury or something again. So I'm just like praying he doesn't. But nevertheless, like he's good. He's fighting through. He's fighting through. And also, did you see when Zuma went down and then the Atletico players started like trying to get the gang up around him and the ref turned and defended Zuma? from the players and was just yelling at the Atletico players. Do you remember that? No, I did not see that. I saw where, like, at the end where Rudiger was talking to Hermoso or Alex Goldberg, you know, <laughs> a.k.a. Um, but – and then Zuma walked up and Hermoso immediately, like, turned around and walked away. <laughs> he was not – he did not want any smoke from Zuma. Not at no. all. No, but after with the ref, when I saw the ref just like backing Zuma up and just telling the athletical players to just back off, he won my heart. The ref won my heart. I think I tweeted out, "What's his release clause? <laughs> Let us sign him," because that was pretty great. I, I would have taken that ref for a lot more games. He was definitely on our side, I swear. Um, but Rudiger, let's talk about Rudiger, the last of the center backs. Wow, 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 wow! That Rudiger was possessed like that dude was on another one i mean the man turned into an absolute bastard out on that pitch just bullying luis suarez to death <laughs> just literally i can't say enough about how much rudiger has impressed me in these stretch of games i'm very glad to say that he's found himself back in here i'm still not saying renew his contract or he can't be sold or anything but all i'm saying is put some respect on Rudiger's name because the man is playing like he's out of his mind right now. 
spot. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, I feel like this this position in a back three gives him the freedom to kind of be the player that he is. Like you said, the, the bastard, the the dog. I mean, it, it gives him that freedom to be that. Whereas in a two, he's more restricted and has more of his area. And now he can run about, he can run his mouse, you know, he can bully people, he can do what he does best. Yeah, you know what I think is funny about this uh, three at the back formation right now is the fact that um, I'll, I'll talk about Christensen instead of Zuma in this case, but uh, Rudiger, Christensen, and Aspie, all three of these are people you would not put in a back four line, preferably, because I would put Silva and Zuma probably in a back four. And I think the reason they are all working so well together is the fact that they don't have to worry about the confidence of uh watching their own actions and being aware of what the other players are doing because when one person is reacting on the ball or to a player he can go fully commit against that person and just have the knowing confidence that the other two have their back and basically will cover for whatever he ends up doing and then should he miss out or anything one can fill in and he can recover and I think that is why Rudiger and Christensen have been playing so much more confidently than they have in a back four is because if one of them loses out or something or, or does something wrong, then it's not, it's not over for them. Like they can still survive. And I think really that's something that's really working into their favor. Yeah. The freedom on the pitch allows them to, to play freer. I think mentally, especially for Christensen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one guy who I'm still definitely not sold on, but I have to say had a good performance, and I tell you, Wes, I caught him running. I swear I did. I swear I caught that Alonzo running. And if Tuchel can make Alonzo run, then damn, Tuchel must be the man for us, dude, because nobody can get Alonzo to run, I, I swear. Unless he's on goal, and I mean defensively. Nobody can make that man run on defense, but... I think I saw him running. So, you know what, Alonzo, props to you. You kept a clean sheet. You did all right. So, and I don't have a, I don't 100% have an Alonzo agenda. I can just say he's not a favorite of mine. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, I agree, man. I I mean, I, I'll even go a step further. I'm, I'm ready for him to be gone. But <laughs> um, I, I, I got to give the man his props since Tuchel's came in. I mean, this system is what this is the type of player that Alonzo is. He is a wing back. So I'm not I mean, I'm not surprised to see him do well now as a wing back. But he's definitely been playing well and you gotta give the man props for that. No, that's definitely true. So going into the midfield, let's talk about my man in Golo Conte. And okay, let's start off by saying Football Twitter, if you're listening and if you have tweeted out anything about Conte is not fully world-class or he's not amazing or he shouldn't start because he is missing some passes, even in the final third or losing the ball dribbling, doesn't shoot. Give me a freaking break. Do you not recognize what this man is about? He's a dang bulldog. He is a sweeper. This man is a heat-seeking missile that will look seek out anybody on the ball and utterly annihilate them. Okay, do you know what? If we're in a double He's a six, mongoose, man. He's, he's a mongoose. He's a mongoose on a mission. If 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 anybody is like complaining that he's not doing enough assist or putting up numbers, just just leave. Just just get off. 
right now because Conte is not brought in for that. That man is brought in to cause complete and utter chaos to our opponents. And you know what? He's doing great. So leave him be. Conte, phenomenal performance. Had a contention for man of the match for me, in my opinion. But, uh, I mean, Wes, Conte is – it's so weird because Conte will be struggling, go through injury, come back after injury, and then, boom, he's world-class. Gets a little niggle or injured again, as they say, and then, uh, boom, world-class again. And (laughs) that man is playing with heartstrings, bro. I mean (laughs) – he just fights his way in and out of a midfield like nuts. Yeah, man. Um, I feel like it's, it's it's been a key, especially here lately since that first injury of just a matter of, and I think everybody, every content creator out there, every Chelsea fan with their with their friends has talked about the fact that he's been overused. Um, I mean, you've got to find a way to manage him. And I feel like Tuchel's starting to do that. Uh, by using the three of Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte. And I feel like Gilmore next year, if even if none of them leave in the summer, I feel like we'll be more phased into it as well. Um, but the, being able to rely on all of them and rotate and consistently get performances and keep them healthy, I feel is huge. And I feel like he's, he, Conte has seen that. Tuchel doesn't play him every game, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have faith in him and it doesn't he doesn't believe in him because Tuchel comes out and states how great a player that he thinks Conte is and how he's wanted Conte for years. But he wow. understands to get that Conte, he has to use him. And I feel like other people have stated this. you got to use Conte as a weapon. He doesn't need to just be the first name on the team sheet. He needs to be used in games where he can be Conte. No, definitely. I think something that Tuchel has made uh, clear that is very smart is that you don't have to start every person every game and just say that they will always work because sometimes Conte has a bad game and maybe it wasn't the right opponent. But then again, what Tuchel is doing so well is he's selecting the right people for the right games. And I think that really is an attributed to how much our success has gone on. Oh yeah, totally, man. I mean, he, he is he is far beyond everything that he was lined up to be so far. Yeah. And, sure. and I am completely impressed. Like I love to just hear the man talk about football. Just I could I could listen to him talk about it and the way he describes it for hours. Yeah, you know, I wonder if Tuchel has a podcast. I'd listen to it. Absolutely. What do you think if Tuchel had a podcast, what do you think it would be called? Changing formations. <laughs> Changing formations. Yeah. Going through changes. Yeah. Nah. But no, nah, that'd be great. That'd be great if Tuchel had a podcast. Tuchel, if you're listening for some reason, make a podcast, man. You do some. Or the theater. rotating squad. <laughs> he 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 would find out some way to like throw a little twist on the name just to make it cheeky or something. But yeah. yeah. So let's move on with the rest of the midfield. So we got Kovacic. Now, this man, uh, he had a bag. He walked on the field with a bag, and he said, put your ankles in the bag. <laughs> this man this man is dribbling. I, I always feel like he can't improve his dribbling because it's already up there with some of the best. And then he has performances like this one that just, like, bewilder me how he moves past people. Like, 
it's seriously like he goes up to him put your ankles in the bag sir put them in the bag like he is robbing these players on the pitch of their ankles dude like if this man could shoot he would be unstoppable Uh, he would he would be a top five midfielder in the world if he could shoot honestly i mean hands down what do you think he does in training you think he ever bothers to shoot or do you think he just literally just just tries and dribble as much as possible you think he just works on his strengths or do you think he even bothers to try shooting i i think coach just kills it at shooting and trading <laughs> yeah i just he, think when he gets to the game he can't do it you think he's the guy to score just complete bangers in training everyone goes crazy and then yeah. he tries to do the same thing in uh in a game and it goes into rosette yeah he, he rushes too much when he shoots in the game but that man only scores bangers he oh, only yes. scores bangers. But no, yeah. So let's go into a man who has been under intense scrutiny lately, but starting to win his way back into our hearts. Hakim Ziyech, one of our wonderful signings of the summer. He's he's built for the night under the lights, man. I mean, the man came to play finally. And I don't know if it's just there's some kind of dynamic play difference between oppositions in the premier league and oppositions in the champions league because i don't want to say that if uh if atletico madrid or, or uh, sevilla were uh like if they were in the uh, premier league that they couldn't do anything or do well against the rest of the opposition because zh in the premier league not too hot for zh in the champions league okay yeah we, we can start him and i what i would like to know is why I mean, that's that's the question there. I mean, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the, the space and the time he has in the Champions League is still more than the Premier League. But I mean, I feel like he's I feel like he's still going to he's going to get it together in the Premier League to me because he's he's too good with his feet. He's too good with his head and he's too damn confident to, to fail, in my opinion, at least fail at the rate that he, he is, has been failing this season. Yeah, and it just see what bewilders me is the, how well he did against Atletico. Considering Atletico was a team I thought would shut him down, they are physical, they press, they are defensively dominant. I thought they would be his kind of kryptonite, but somehow he made it work. Yeah, and that's credit to him. And he's been he's been showing up, and like his celebration said the other day, it may be time to be quiet. <laughs> oh god i love the cockiness he has please see it just remain in great form i would love to freaking keep repping you and everything i don't because there was rumors i mean rumors i mean very loose rumors that they might see zh as an asset to sell in the sub- summer to fuel someone like erling holland and i was like i really don't want to do that as much as i want holland i don't want to send someone like zh right out that should be a huge asset to our team that we got on pretty good deal considering what what he had done but i mean i hear what you're saying man but if you're giving me holland i'll take him tomorrow (laughs) take him tomorrow i'll fly him to the airport i'll drive him to the airport i'll drive him to germany no respect for hakeem you were kicking him out the door i mean there's not many people on that team as much as i love them i would not just at least discuss for holland that dude's next next level well, all I know is the devil's going to be busy here soon because a lot of people are going to be selling their souls just to get Holland on the team, bro. Yeah. And he looks like he's ready to go. That man is not happy at Dortmund. I mean, he does not hide it. 
Like even yeah, in a yeah. game where he scores a brace and he's tied the game. Yeah, he was he wasn't happy at all. He, he pissed. He's pissed. Man's on a mission. Yeah. That mission's not going well for him. So he's yeah. ready to jump ship, it looks like. But I hope they keep going down. I hope they because they, they don't qualify for Champions League. That's only better news for us. Yeah, it's conflicting for me because Dortmund are actually the team I like supporting in the in the German league and everything just because of our history with Pulisic there. Obviously, they got some great young players. You got Gio Reyna over there. I've always liked yeah. Dortmund, but I yeah. Agree. But Dortmund, take uh, take one for the team this season. Um, just just chill out there and then uh, give us Holland. But you know what's crazy is that I think, I, honestly, if we do end up getting Holland, it's not going to be just Holland. And I don't mean for us. I mean, I think a couple of their players are going to go because just based on what I've heard about the financial difficulties Dortmund are having, if they were to miss out on even Europa league, I guarantee you they are going to have to go to Academy style and like, just play a bunch of their youngsters like Sancho going to be gone. Holland going to be gone, going to be used to feel most of their stuff. And then we might even, you know, see like a Axel Witzel go out. You might see a Thorgan Hazard leave, but that would be a nasty dismantling of their team, which I really would hate to see because overall, like I said, I like seeing their team do good. If I don't mind Dortmund thriving, if Holland is on our team instead, they can even keep Sancho for, for all I care. I mean, it would be awesome yeah. if Sancho was on our team or something, but if he's on their team, that means he's not in the prem. And as long as we have Holland, good, go fight Go fight Bayern, bully some people, and then if we fight you in the Champions League someday, then I'll look the other way and say, Chelsea, come on, beat the crap out of them. But yeah, just give us Holland and try not to just totally lose the old team. Yeah. But enough of that, a tangent. Um, we need to finish up with a couple more players uh, to finish up talking Atletico. Now, Havertz. Woo-hoo! Havertz, I think he's back. I think he's back. That man came back from the grave, dude. Like COVID hit, that man went bye-bye. He was gone. AFK said, I I don't want to play this anymore. But you know what? He worked his way. He took his time. And it looked like it might have been worth it because this man looks like he's about to come in and be the striker. Considering this man was trying to play as a number eight, a a right winger, everything and then now he's coming in as the striker to basically upsurp Giroud, tammy even Werner, who's going to probably be playing as like the left four or so but dude Harvard's Harvard's is starting to look like the real deal again totally man i mean i feel like this is where he needs to play at least for this season get his confidence get him near the goal get him scoring goals get him banking passes i mean and I, I mean, I'm okay if he if if, if we don't get Holland or a Lukaku has been talked about. Also, if we don't get one of those two, I'm mm-hmm. totally okay with Havertz as our striker next season. Well, see, the thing about Havertz working as striker that really kind of confuses me is I have heard Tuchel talking about the plan is to go to a four three three next season after we get preseason stuff, and I'm just like. If Hogwarts is striker, that means Werner probably would be like a left forward, left wing. And what's happening to Pulisic, Hudson Adoy, everyone? And then if Holland comes in, Holland's obviously the striker. And then you have the same problem on the left. But then if Hogwarts is doing so well, 
are you going to bench him or are you going to say, okay, now he's going to be in the number eight, kind of like opposite amount, which I think would be the case. And then you have the lone DM spot. Who knows if we'll get another person or play Conte or Kovacic or Billy or Jorginho. It's just, there's a lot of things up in the air right now. We'll probably delve into another episode, but all I can say is I'm yeah, very If we don't get a DM, we can't play 4-3-3. It'll pro- that probably will be the defining question of the summer is if we get a, a, a DM, will it change us to the 4-3-3? My, question, my, uh, my thought is yes, but also it's hard to deny that the formation right now is working. And you know what they say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, I'd still like to score more than two goals a game. As long as we keep winning, man, I'm good. But, but I agree, yes, but more goals is cool. Like people say, the formation really in itself doesn't matter as much as much as your roles on the pitch and how you are playing with each other. And what I really would actually like to see is this same formation used at the beginning of next season, but with Holland, and just see if that increases the goals in themselves. And if it doesn't, then, then we can look at changing formations. But I feel like if you put Holland into this side and then he blows up in it, you're set. Your defense is set. Your offense is set. Throw a stone at us, dude, because we're freaking Goliath now. We're we're, we're going to be hard to take down if that's the case. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's uh let's finish up here. Werner, Timo Werner. I say don't let the stats fool you about Timo because he misses so many goals. He doesn't get as many assists, but the man is impacting on the pitch. The man looks good and he is he deserves some respect for doing everything except scoring. And I do feel like Werner is playing a critical role in the team at some points, um, just stretching the game, working in behind. And I mean, whew, that the last goal against Atletico, dude. That uh that whole buildup is quite something. Sorry, yeah, not the last goal, not the last goal, the first, first goal. goal. The, the last goal was Emerson. I mean the first goal, the one Timo was involved in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he started it all with his defensive work. I know. I mean, they can do it all. Yeah. <laughs> Except score. I, mean, I think he's – yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, at least he's getting in those positions. If he's not scoring and not getting in those positions, then, then I feel like we have a problem. The no, goals, I feel like the goals are going to come. It's just he's in he's in the positions too many times for the goals not to come at some point. Yeah, but and I think I with Havertz up front with him, and if Havertz starts scoring, that's only going to feed Timo to score. They do have a good connection, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, two subs I want to talk about: Pulisic and Emerson. I thought Pulisic did not look amazing uh, at first. I thought he had some good attempts and everything some good dribbles, but they just broke down right at the end. But then he finally got that assist to Emerson at the end. Wow, what a goal. Emerson said, I'm one and I'm the one and done type of guy. Hit him and bye. Now, I think I actually got this wrong because um, I think I forgot Emerson actually started a game at left center back before this Atletico game. And I think it was against... Was it Barnsley? Barnsley? Was it Barnsley? Yeah. yeah. So I actually made a tweet and I, um, and I put something on my notes here. I was incorrect about. I said he's had one touch under Tuchel and it's been a goal. 
So that technically I totally forgot he played left center back um, against Barnsley. We'll say it was, but, um, but he had one touch in this game and it was gold. That literally was all he did in the game. So yeah, I don't know what kind of writing that gets you on sofa score, but dang, dude, <laughs> keep it up. Super sub all the way, Emerson. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, and also for Callum, I thought he looked good. I thought there was one or two chances that man should have gotten a goal or uh, gotten an assist or so. But uh, a little disappointed Callum's fallen out of the fray some because he had a huge run of form. I think it was in December to January or something like that. And then I feel like he had a huge kind of like just like a bump in the road, just having to change into right wing back. And granted, he still did well, but he I think he was starting to feel himself up that that left attacking position. So I'm really rooting for Callum to be able to work his way back in. Obviously, that kind of means that Timo would go out. But at the same time, if Callum is is score more goals than Timo, then Timo can sit on the bench um, for me because. I just want some goals to come in, but full respect to Timo for what he's doing. And Callum, I hope I hope everything's well. I hope I hope you're gonna make it. Yeah, I think I think Callum Callum will be fine. Yeah. So uh, I have one last question to ask about this game, which was something that was very kind of iffy to me. And even though it worked in our favor, I was just like that's a bit rough. Um, and I'm talking about the Savage red card and it sealed the win for us. But I mean, did you think he deserved that? I mean, it was for an elbow to Rudiger's ribs apparently, but I mean, when you're moving around in the corner in the box that much on a corner, I mean, elbows are thrown all the time and you, the ref blows a whistle and just gives a foul or something, but you have a red card. I mean, that's the highest kind of penalty you can give to someone in a game. And for what didn't even look like, a huge swing. I mean, did did you think the savage red card was merited? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, that's something I feel that happens 10, 20, 30 times a game between people. He just got caught with it. I mean, if, if you look at the letter of the law, he threw an elbow. It's a red card, okay? But no, I mean, again, just like the the Espelicueta one, you, you don't you don't call that. Yeah, I, I felt a little I didn't really feel bad for Atletico at the time, but afterwards I was just like, Yeah, that was a that was unfortunate, but still let's sign the ref. I would think I after that I actually fueled my tweet more saying, Seriously, what's his release clause? Let me sign him. I will give the money. Cause that ref just he was a Chelsea fan that night. Let's let's not lie about it. But uh so our boy Mike at um at ATX CFC, um which stands for Austin, Texas. It's not a, not a fan of. Um, he asked us, do you believe we will win the Champions League and finish in top four? And who is our man of the match for Atletico and Sheffield? So to conclude about Atletico, man of the match, I honestly, I have three people who come to mind, and that's Havertz, Conte, and Rudiger. But I really kind of just wanted to give it to Rudiger because the man has been like, straight hustling as he does but there was a monster that came out in him tonight and i thought i thought rudiger was just like everything i wanted in the defender for a while so personally for me i would say rudiger would be my man of the match how about you um i think that's a very good call um yeah, that's, honestly that's probably who i go with but just to be different uh, i like zh 
I mean, I thought he had a really good game. He got the goal. So, I'll okay. go with Ziyech. Ziyech is a fair shout, though. Very, very shout. I mean, he did get technically the man of the match card, so he must have done something right, obviously. Um, but let's address what Mike's saying or asking about finishing the Champions League. So, as you probably know, we got Porto in the draw, and we ended up on the bracket side with Real Madrid and Liverpool. And then, obviously, Dortmund is facing Man City and Bayern are facing PSG. And this draw probably could not have gone any better in Chelsea's favor. Now, it is very in our hands to win it all. I mean, just to get into the final, we have to beat Porto, which is probably the best opponent we could have drawn for this. Granted, don't take anything away from what they did to Juventus, but I think everyone would just agree. Porto is someone whom we might have the best chance of beating. And then Liverpool. I mean, I'd have been fine with playing Juventus too. They don't scare me this year. Yeah. No, uh, that would have been emotional for me having to play against Weston McKinney, but I would have loved to be able to watch him play. But uh, Real Madrid and Liverpool, let's uh, let's predict a few outcomes here. Um, I'm going to say Real Madrid are going to win it because I think they're in a little better form than Liverpool, even though Liverpool are doing much better in Europe than they are in the Premier League. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I think Real Madrid win that. I think it'll be close. I, I, I think it'll go two penalties in the second leg. That's a good prediction. I think... I think Real Madrid will win it on away goals. Um, I don't. I don't remember who starting at home, but I think a Real Madrid will win on away goals personally. So then let's think. Chelsea against Real Madrid in theory. I do think we can definitely beat them, but my so my thing is they have a very stout defense, obviously, and we have an attack that's not always firing on all cylinders. Like we still can't get more than two goals a game. But then it's also good because we're still not conceding any. But again, we're coming against Karim Benzema, who is probably one of the hottest strikers in form in Europe. And he's been on a tear for Real Madrid right now. And he's one I would not want to face. So I do say Chelsea can beat Real Madrid. But um, obviously the defense has to stay at his. But the offense definitely is going to have to kick it up to another gear just in case our defense does crack. Yeah, I think I think this this matchup against Porto is a, a good way to get our offense going. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely gonna be a good test, and just to make sure. And I do believe we can play against Malang Sar. I don't believe uh, the clause is that you can't play against your uh, parent club. I don't believe it. Um, it falls in line with European competitions because uh, Diego Dallo for uh, AC Milan did play against uh, Man U, who I believe are his parent club since he's on loan right now if i'm correct so i do believe ma long sar is eligible to play against us so we'll see how that goes double agent sar (laughs) time to play but um without going into too much analysis give me a quick shout at who you think is going to come out of the bracket on the other side i'm gonna say man city and Bayern, and then Bayern will um will make it to the finals again Actually, I think Dortmund's going to upset Man City. I think Ooh. Pip's going to try to overthink it. Really? You think we're going to get a Derek Classic out in the sem- in the uh, semis? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because I don't think PSG can – PSG aren't as good this year as they were last year. Um, 
and then I think I think we come out and Real Madrid, and then I think it's us and Bayern. Oof, what a what a rematch compared to last year. Am I right? I mean, getting them uh, in the knockout stages and then just getting obliterated to say kindly, but um, let's let's say this. How do we beat Byron in a final? Well, I would say one, you have to obviously keep the defense and keep and shut Lewandowski down. But also the problem is they score from their midfield, like Goretzka, Thomas Muller, Joshua McKimmich. They are also lethal. Kingsley Comey can have a goal in him. The problem with Byron is they really can score from anywhere. So every single person has to be turned on to be defensively sound. But at the same time, even though they're leaking goals, they're still a pretty defensively stout team. Um, And like I said, you're going to have to get our offense firing on all cylinders just to make up for the fact in case you do not, can't keep these clean sheets anymore. I wouldn't blame them, but you're going to have to outscore them at least if you can't keep the clean sheets. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I still think Byron aren't as good this year as they were last year, but they're still the best team in the world. No, for sure. So I to answer your question, Mike, I think we can win it. It's in our own hands, but that's what's going to happen. The offense has to click, and it has to unlock um, a new gear to start putting these games away. We can't push it to the end. We can't have one goal margins. Um, even two goals can be a bit shoddy sometimes, but the only way we'll win this is if the offense starts banging in more goals, in my opinion. So as to that, so uh, let's talk about the Sheffield win. Obviously, Sheffield game wasn't super eventful. Um, it was a little lackluster for me. I don't know about you, but I wasn't super happy with it, mainly because I felt we dismantled Atletico and then playing a game against a team relegation bound to the Premier League, who was just having an awful season, and just letting them take it to us and almost being able to equalize us, even though we got a 2-0 win, I thought the 2-0 scoreline was a little... It didn't represent the true game well. What do you think? Yeah, no, it did not. The score didn't represent how the game went, but I just, I mean, I feel like you got to just chalk that up to all the rotation that occurred yeah no there was definitely a good bit of rotation um so let's talk about it what changed with atletico now i have both lineups here so i'm going to go over it and everything just to say what changed so atletico and sheffield both a two and a win both the same formation so mendy was starting um against atletico kepa started against sheffield kepa had a pretty good game i will say so at three center backs we have Rudiger, Zuma, and Aspie going left to right against Atletico. And you have Emerson, which is still odd to me. He's playing Emerson, the left center back. Zuma and Christensen. Um, so um, so a near completely different back line in that back three. Now, one thing I will say is, even though Emerson could bang in a goal against Atletico, and he actually had a decent performance against Sheffield at left center back, if... Um, if you were going to start um, Callum at right wing back and you were going to bench Aspie, what I would rather have happened is Zuma play left center back, Christensen the middle center back, and try Reese at the right center back if we were going to experiment with the fullback um, in a center back position. I 
because he came on later in the game and um he did play um full game against Atletico, I believe, but I as healthy as is and right before an international break, I would have wanted to test him out at the right center back from um position. And if anything, just sub Emerson in or sub uh somebody in and then just uh take him out, move him over to what it is turned out to be shipped for Sheffield. But I would have rather seen Reese um, at that right center back position and push the rest over. Would you have liked to see that, Wes? Yeah, I, I still really want to see Reese at right center back and see how that goes. Yeah, I still Honestly, think he's I would like to see him at DM. Yeah, well, there are also people saying they want Christians in at DM. So I do think yeah, I that Reese that. has a better chance at DM than that. But I do think that's more going to be one of our last resort kind of things. Yeah. But uh, to look at the wingbacks, um, so in Atletico, we had Alonso and Reese on the wings. And this one, we had uh, Chilwell and Hudson-Odoi. Obviously, Ben had a very good game uh, compared to what he's been doing lately. Um, he got a forced own goal, which I will credit him with an assist to. And then he got an actual assist to Ziyech, which is a beautiful finish. I mean, textbook, just chef's kiss to that one. But... Um, Callum, uh, I think Callum did okay. I actually can't remember too much of what he did in Sheffield. Do you do you remember anything special he did? Uh, he had a few good balls that he put in, and you know, but I mean, he it wasn't it wasn't as on the level of the performances that he had been putting in, but it wasn't a bad performance. Yeah. Okay, and then in the midfield we had Kovacic, who did play for Atletico, playing again, and then we had Billy Gilmore. Thank God he's back. Came in for N'Golo Conte, who was who played against Atletico. Now Billy, geez man, I got a soft spot for Billy, but I am upset that the club kept him here this this uh, this second half of the season. I thought this man needed to go on loan just because, as much as I wanted him playing at game time, if he was never going to get this much game time in the game or in the season. Send him on loan before the Euros, please. I needed every single minute on Billy Gilmore's resume to basically get him into that Euro squad. I think they would be stupid if they already didn't take him. By the same time, as young as he is, he needs every kind of experience backing him. And I'm glad he's playing the FA Cup again, but I don't think he's going to play in the semis against Man City. So... If this is the only thing he's going to be able to get under his belt for this second half of the season, I'm going to have a little bit of a grudge against Chelsea if for some reason he didn't make the senior squad for the Euros. Yeah, I mean, especially when you had a team like Southampton that was wanting to get him. Yeah. Because he would have looked good in the middle of that team. Are you kidding me? Uh, Yeah, he would have been phenomenal. I would have loved that. I think he would have had to compete with James Ward-Prowse, but hell let him go at him maybe well, Prowse, Prowse would probably play up higher I would think you know that's probably he, maybe he could have but like I said um, I thought Billy also in regards to his performance I thought he did alright um, I thought he looked pretty good he gave the ball away a lot of times but I think the point about him giving the ball away that I was okay with is he was trying to create things he, he was making chances he was seeing if um, our players would go for it and they didn't always, so it kind of looked bad on his part sometimes. But overall, I think I saw a performance after coming back for after so long being gone. Yeah, I, I, and I, I have no issue with him getting game time in the Premier League. 
I feel confident in Billy Gilmore. Yeah. So hopefully when we look at these uh, next run of fixtures we have, maybe there'll be ones you can slot in. So now going to the, the front three, um, Timo, Havertz, and Ziyech played against Atletico. All were uh, subbed out for Giroud, Pulisic, and Mount. And I thought Pulisic had a, a man-of-the-match contending uh, performance. I thought Mount was solid, but he didn't do anything exceptional like he has been kind of lately. Giroud, I thought he kind of was a miss in this game. I didn't, I wasn't feeling it from Giroud. So love you, buddy. But probably if Tammy was healthy, I think Tam- this would have been Tammy's game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tammy would have, he would have thrived in a game like that. But yeah. So Ben or Pulisic, uh, Wes, who do you think deserved a man in the match? Pulisic. And honestly, like, and I think you and I talked about this, like, I would give Pulisic probably like a 6.5. That, I mean, to me, that just shows how lackluster this entire game was. But he was definitely my man of the match, even at a 6.5. So I definitely hear you. And I'm actually going to disagree because I, I would say I would give Ben man of the match just because as much as Pulisic did, Ben was the one who had the direct impact on the scoreline with the own goal and the assist. And I feel like when you're talking about man of the match performances – that's just something you can't overlook, even though someone has a great performance, because if Pulisic had been directly involved in one of the goals, I would have given it to him just based on what he did. But let's talk about, let's talk about their stats that they had right now. So Ben Chilwell, he technically only had one recorded assist, but he had two by my standards. He had six tackles, 48 um, out of 51 passes. So at 94% pass completion, he had 11 out of 14 total duels won. 9 out of 11, which were ground duels. 2 out of 3, which were aerial. He played the full game. Sofa score gave him an 8.6 rating out there. And now he had an 8.6. I want you to take a guess at what Pulisic got. 7.6? He got a 6.8. So Pulisic had no goal involvements. He had no tackles. He yeah, 32 for 39 passes completed, um, so 82% pass accuracy. He had nine for 16 duels won, though. He had nine for 14 of ground duels, and he had no he had zero for two um, out of aerial duels. He played 83 minutes, so overall, I think Ben had the better stats um, for the game. And when you when you just have the two direct goal involvements, I have to say that. Despite Pulisic being great, I have to give it to Ben. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And, I mean, I feel, I feel like stat-wise, right? I just feel like there were parts of the game where I didn't notice being. No, that's true. And, I mean, when you're on defense, but I guess as a defender, always. as a defender, that's a good thing. But, yeah. So, last question I want to give about the Sheffield win because we're not going to overanalyze it too much. Man City, next opponent, who do you start, Keppel or Mendy? Man, I feel like we've rode it this far, and, and he's actually built his value. So I feel like you have to ride with Kepa. If so, you if you take it if you take him out now, then then there goes the confidence he he has built. So I definitely agree that um, if you take him out, his confidence probably goes down. But I would also say that I don't see another game in this uh, season besides an FA Cup game where Kepa would actually get in. 
But also, I would say if you look at the past opposition we've had that Kepa has gone against, I'd say they've all been teams that he are on level where he should do well. But if we're going against Man City, who probably are the Premier League champions elect at this point, I don't know if I want to still test Kepa's confidence. I think I would rather ride the hot hand of Mendy, who's going clean sheet after clean sheet, and who's still boasting some great stats for this season and is in near contention for winning the Golden Glove. So I have to disagree, and I would say put Mendy in um, for the semifinals and the finals, just because whoever you get, you're going to either get um, you're either you're getting Man City for yes, but you're I believe you're either going to get Leicester or Southampton if I'm correct. Um, yeah, that's right. And I mean I agree with you personally. I would start Mandy, but I, I just think Kepa will start. Yeah. So, also Storm's picking up again in the background. So just hope that uh, this kind of uh, finishes through. So let's try and finish strong. Uh, with the uh, with the episode, so we're done for Sheffield. So let's talk about questions real quick. Um, we got one coming in from our boy Kamal or at Lump of CFC, and he asks, "Is Mendy good enough to be a title-winning goalkeeper, or has the defensive shift been so solid that it's limiting his actions to fully prove his talents?" So great question, and I um I got some stats to kind of help answer this question because as much as I would want to read this organically and answer it. I don't think I can give a great enough argument for this unless I have the stats to back it up. So my argument is, yes, Mendy can be a title-winning goalkeeper as he's proving it well. And I'm, I have some stats here that are basically just going to um, basically solidify um, what I think uh, for this. So give me one second. Okay, so... For the stats I have for Mendy, this is under Tuchel's uh, reign. So I'm mainly only focusing under Tuchel because um, obviously um, Kamal's question deals with is the defensive shift been so solid that it's limiting his actions to prove his talents? And I believe for that, it's better to focus about how the defense has done under Tuchel, um, including Mendy. So um, because under Frank, obviously we had a lot of games going south at the end. So let's let's look at like how we're doing on this recent run and that's not to disregard what Mendy's done because Mendy still did um a lot of work to uh basically keep us in games and to help but also we weren't firing on all cylinders so this is just under Tuchel to kind of put it as a new era since the defense has been much better so Mendy has faced 20 shots on target in 11 matches under Tuchel and he's only conceded two goals one of those was an own goal from Rudiger. So, therefore, from shots on target, Mendy has conceded one goal from 20 shots on target. And therefore, by those numbers, he has a save percentage of 95% under Tuchel. And I really hope I did all of that math correctly, technically. And that all makes sense. But what I'm trying to say is he has a 95% save percentage under Tuchel. And kind of like how you say with opposition about even if they're weaker and you still win, you can only play what you're given in front of you. And Mendy was given 20 shots on target in his 11 matches under Tuchel, and he's only conceded one goal. So if you're asking me if he's good enough to be a title-winning goalkeeper, right now I'm saying yes, but 
but I'm also reserving the right to change my mind in case, um, in case he becomes bad because all I can go off is what he's giving me stats wise. So to answer your question, yes, I say right now he's good enough to be a title wing goalkeeper because when you look at someone like Allison on Liverpool, who Liverpool have been a Premier League winning side, the Champions League winning side, they're winning all this. Allison still has plenty of errors in him that he shows um, throughout a season and it can be looking really sus, but overall he's still done bits for them and been one of their greatest signings in the past few years. Yeah, you're completely right, man. I mean, I feel like Mandy, can he be a title winning goalkeeper? Absolutely. Is he a world-class goalkeeper? No. I feel like that's the, that's the big difference. Like yeah. he's not Donnarumma, he's not Oblak, but can can we win the Premier League? Could we win the Champions League with him as our goalie with the right defense and the right setup? Absolutely, we could. Yeah, so that kind of like you mentioned Donnarumma, kind of opened up the question: Would we take Donnarumma in the summer if uh, if he's available on a free transfer? But granted, you have to remember, Minerola. Or uh, sorry, is it Minerola that's his agent? That yes. we don't like dealing with yet. Yeah, it's Mina Rayola, who is also Erling Holland's agent, I believe. And I can't see us getting two people from Mina Rayola in one summer. So if you're asking me Donnarumma on a free or a crap ton of money for Erling Holland, it's Erling Holland for me. But if we oh, also yeah. could sign both, I would say Donnarumma is someone who is someone you can't really pass up on. But also I would say is you can't let him break the bank with his wages. So even though, because we know Mina Rola is going to, tr- is going to make his own fee. That's going to be outrageous and multiply that times two for him, for Holland and Donnarumma. So if Donnarumma is available on a free transfer with m- decent wages and Mina Rola is not being a total prick about it, then I would say, yeah, and make him competition. But also, that all has the caveat that you sell Kepa. And I don't think you can get more than $30 million for Kepa at this point. Maybe maybe not more than 20 Just depends who's willing to buy for it. And, I, and in this economy, I really don't know who would be, but unless you get... I think it's going to have to be a loan. You think it's going to be a loan? Yeah, it's going to have to be. It might have to be. But unless you can offload Keppa, then Donnarum is not even the question for me. Yeah, I agree. Because there's no way you can keep all three of those goalkeepers on um, on wages and everything. And not to mention Willie, who I think Willie Caballero's uh, contract also expires at the end of the summer. I don't think he's going to be renewing, but we, we will see. So, so that uh, will conclude the question for Kamal right there. And uh, last question for the episode um, before we wrap it up comes from our boy, Patrick Larson. Love the dude. Or at uh, PTP underscore um, COYB for come on you blues is a little catchphrase. So what are your thoughts on the busy run of fixtures we have coming up in April and where do you think we'll end up at the end of the season? So I have a list of fixtures brought up um, for on Chelsea's website. This is going from April 3rd to april 24th and he's right there's a good bit of uh fixtures so let's go through it one by one uh home against west brom 
we got away against Porto in the Champions League. Home, sorry, away against uh, Crystal Palace. But then again, that's still in London, I believe. So um, it's not exactly too much an away fixture. Home against Porto. Uh, granted, we're only into the 13th of April, and we've already been through four games. Um, now, I believe the semifinals for um, for the FA Cup have been set at Wembley um, for the 17th of April against Man City. It still has to be confirmed, but also the Brighton fixture that was for the day has been postponed officially. So I do believe the FA Cup semifinal will happen on the day. And then um, a week later, thankfully, we get a week break after that. We play West Ham United um, in London and um, at theirs at their London Stadium. So it'll be an away game for us. So the biggest thing I'm looking at here is, aside from Porto, for one game, if my geography is correct, and this is me speaking as an American, we are not leaving London for that entire month. So Stamford Bridge. Uh, Selhurst Park, which is London, I believe, uh, Wembley and London Stadium um, in East London, I believe. All of that's in London, so traveling isn't really going to be um, a, fe- a factor for this tight schedule. The only thing is going to be the gap between uh, the 3rd of April, the 7th of April for Porto, and the 7th of April and the 10th of April for um, getting back from Porto. That's going to be the only kind of uh, travel lag that's going to really affect us. Everything else... I think it's going to be straight train and rotate for these fixtures that have basically three days in between each of these before uh, the FA Cup semifinals separating from um, the game against West Ham, which is a whole week. So that I think works in our favor. The fact that there is going to be very minimal traveling. So I really, when it comes to West um, West Ham, people would say they're a bogey team, but also Crystal Palace. In the current form we're in, I think if we're still in London, I wouldn't consider like home field advantage really lost. I feel like London is blue. London's their town. They should be able to keep their mojo going. So if I am making a prediction, I'm saying West Brom is a win. Porto away is a win. Crystal Palace is a win. Porto um, at Stamford Bridge is a win. West Ham at West Ham. I'm actually going to call that one a draw. And then FA Cup semifinals against Man City. God, that one's hard because I feel like we'll even be rotated for that considering depending, it really will depend who we have to field for Porto at Stanford Bridge on the 13th because four days later we have to play at Wembley against Man City. Jeez. I'm going to say win. I'm going to say optimistic, but I'm going to say it's going to be an ugly win. It is going to be a scrapped out win. It will not be very convincing, but nevertheless, it's probably going to be a win. So I'm calling all wins and one draw against West Ham to close out April. What are you saying, Wes? Um, Let's see here. I think with West Brom, I think that's the first game that we score three goals in. So I think I'm going to give us a win on that. I think we're going to go to Porto and win 2-0. Um, so win there. I think we'll beat Crystal Palace. Uh, I think we'll beat Porto at home. Uh, if, now, the last two is where I'm going to have my biggest reservations. One, because Man City is Man City. Um, it's the FA Cup, though. We've been playing well. 
as much as it pains me, I'm going to have to say that I think we're going to lose on penalties. I think it'll be 0-0 and it'll go to penalties. And I just, I don't know. I just don't. I want to save our luck for the Champions League. Um, and then West Ham, man. West Ham is the team that I hate. I hate watching Chelsea play more than anyone else because it, for some reason we just play like shit. But I'm going to say under under Thomas Tuchel, we won't play like shit. So I'm going to go all wins with a penalty shootout loss in the FA Cup semifinal to Man City. Oof. Isn't that kind of reminiscent of how the Carabao Cup final ended under Sarri? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'd imagine if Cup is in goal. Bad memories. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, wow. That's a busy April. I didn't even realize how busy it was until Patrick pointed it out. So thanks, Patrick, for putting that on my conscience. Um, but let's address what, uh, and also, so to address his second part of his question, he asked, um, where do you think we'll finish in the rest of the season? So we gave, we gave our Premier League uh, – sorry, no, we gave our Champions League predictions. And Wes, you know what really bugs me about Man City right now? We what? have three potential fixtures against them to end the season, which would yeah. be the semifinals well, FA Cup, the last game we have against them in the Premier League, and then yeah. technically we could face them in the finals of the Champions League. Yeah, that would suck. That would be – imagine if they won all three against us. We would never – Man City fans would be just – emerge from the shadows and basically be born and bandwagoners would come at us and never let it go so i if there's one thing i need from chelsea it's to put man city down they, they can win the premier league this year but we can't let them win the fa cup or champions league you know what they can have the fa cup we can have the champions league i want both man i want a double under two cool shoot we can take the double next year. I'll take the Champions League this year if I got a time. I'm not greedy. I need revenge, bro. I need revenge after losing to Arsenal. That we were screwed out of that game. I, I need this FA Cup, dude. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to just give it to them. So to properly answer where we I think we will finish um in the Premier League, to, to refresh everyone, we're currently sitting at fourth, three points above West Ham, um, and Five points under Leicester. Isn't it just two above West Ham? This is awkward. Because they got a tie, right? I can't do math. You're right. <laughs> it's late in the night. So so we're uh, two points above West Ham. Uh, games even with everyone except Man City who have one more game played. F- uh, five under Leicester, six under Man U, and 20 under City. Oof. Okay, well, that one's... Title's gone, guys. Sorry, my prediction was gone for, for a while from the beginning of the year. That one's out. Also, breaking Man City's goal-scoring record definitely didn't pan out for me. So, yeah, that's unfortunate. But we got to tackle Leicester, and we got to tackle Man U to really solidify this. So I'm not looking at Leicester's fixtures, but I'm going to look at Man U's fixtures for the rest of the season because what I'm debating between is second and third, which one we finish. So yeah, I'm gonna Man go third. So Man U's fixtures right now, they have Brighton, um, and they're still in Europa League. So they have Brighton, Granada, Spurs, Granada again, Burnley, Leeds. That's just in April, and then May they had Liverpool, Aston Villa, 
Leicester, Fulham, and Wolves. Now, Man U has been in good form, but also they they are very unconvincing. So, honestly, Europa, they might make it through, but they could also easily get knocked out. Spurs, I can see Spurs beating them. Burnley, I can see Burnley upsetting them. Leeds, I could see a draw. Liverpool, I could see them winning. Aston Villa could even win. Leicester could win. Fulham and Wolves, they probably Man U would probably win. But overall, I think um, compared to Chelsea, who in May have Fulham, City, Arsenal, Leicester, and Villa. Like, I forgot how many. Jeez, okay, that doesn't sound good either. Yeah, I think we can get third. I want to say second, but dang. The problem, too, but... the, the problem is, is that we have to make up. Making up five points doesn't sound that hard. When you think about it, or sorry, six points doesn't seem that hard. That's only two games. But at the same time, then that only puts you level with each other. And on goal yeah. differential, um, I can't see right now. It doesn't, it's not an expanded table, so it doesn't show me the goal differential. But we're doing all right for goal differential. But overall, I'm going to have to say safely third place. And yeah, I think we, we will... play Leicester, too, or Leicester. Leicester, yeah. And yeah. the Leicester also play Man U. So yeah. someone's dropping points in that game. So if Man U wins, then we could overtake Leicester. Leicester wins. Leicester are going to overtake Man U probably at that point in the season. And we could maybe take overtake Man U depending on how it goes. But also at the same time, that's going to be a tough call. So it's yeah. a it's going to be a tough race. But I, I agree, Wes. I'm going to say third. I'm, we want second, but I'm going to say we finish with third. Yeah. But so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Um, I really appreciate uh, Wes for you getting back on the call with me, staying um, up with me and everything. Uh, hopefully this recording turns out well. Um, we're going to have to splice together two recordings just to be safe because there's a storm going on. I really didn't want to lose any audio because that's the last thing our moral our, our morals need. Because yes. After I think a botched uh, game show episode and another botched episode, yeah, if we were we were in the mud in terms of wanting to record another episode after we had all these technical issues, but hopefully you hear from us. This is out tomorrow, I would hope. Um, and Wes, any closing comments? No, man. I just it's a it's a great time to be a Chelsea fan. Uh, it's a great time to be back on the podcast. Um, it's long overdue. Glad to be back on here. We're definitely gonna be coming at you guys with with more material for sure. Um, and just man. I'm just I'm ready to see what the rest of the season holds for us and what this summer holds. Yeah, couldn't say said I couldn't have said it better myself, Wes. And I'm really excited to be a Chelsea fan right now because well unbeat under Tuchel, knock on wood, doing well in all of these these competitions. I just whew, please just ride it out for Pete's sake. I just need this in my life right now. So Thanks, guys, for joining us in here. Hope to see you soon. We'll have hopefully a couple more episodes coming during the international break. So thanks, guys. And remember, stay true. Stay true. Stay blue. Absolutely.